My name's Nicola Thomas and you're listening to The Sniff. Today on the podcast, we're going to try something totally different. And rather than take a look across a whole brand, we're going to break down a single perfume into its constituent parts. Joining us to do that is an indie perfumer who, after a long and successful career in the NHS, decided she wanted to change direction entirely and start her own brand. Nowadays, she has a growing reputation for crafting intelligent, well-balanced scents that which are full of nuance. We're joined by Karen Timpson from Karen Timpson Fine Fragrance. Hi, Karen. Hello, Nicola. So, Karen, first up, we wanted to mention your voice. Uh, now, listeners might notice you sound perhaps a little different to how they might expect. Do you want to tell us why? Yes, I many, many, many years ago, I developed a vocal cord problem called spasmodic dysphonia, which basically affects the way my vocal cords work. They involuntarily spasm open, which means the air rushes out past them rather than flowing gently over them. So I may sound a bit breathy um, or breathless, but please don't worry, I am perfectly fine and perfectly well. Uh, Thank you for sharing that with us. So on to the perfume. What scent are we going to be looking at today? We're going to look at Hermia. And why did you pick Hermia for us? Well, it was my first commercial fragrance that I created, and it's actually still my favourite, Nicola. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad we're talking about your favourite, because I think that's always nice. Yeah. And so let's start with the name. Why did you name it Hermia? Um, did the name come before the scent or the scent before the name? I guess you could say it was a simultaneous thing. Before I had my own perfume lab, I'd rent space at the Coswell Perfumery with John. And a couple of weeks or so before I'd got one of these lab days, I um, saw A Midsummer Night's Dream at the theatre. And having studied this particular play for my um, English A level and my claim to fame played Hermia in a school <laughs> rendition, um, I had a flash of inspiration, you might say. Also, I got some raw materials that I was really excited to play around with. A CO2 extracted pink pepper, which is an absolutely divine material. So I kind of started to meld these things together and and imagine what would a Midsummer Night's Dream actually smell like? Would it be dreamy? Foresty, you know, you've got um, glints of sun through the the canopy of the trees, and I kind of thought the pink pepper could be the slightly saucy, slightly spicy side of it, you know, with all the um, fairy shenanigans and the assimilation <laughs> taking place in the woods. So it sort of grew together, Nicola. Actually. Mm. Mm, that's interesting. So, shall we put some Hermia on so we can discuss it in yes. real time? Let's do that. I've got my little sample here. And I've what got our, my big bottle here. <laughs> what our listeners don't know is that um, I'd put my sample away somewhere very, very safe. So safe I couldn't find it. So, I was just, <laughs> I've just torn the house around at oh, no. to find it again. But I found it in time, so it's all good. <laughs> good, good. Let's go. Right, so I've dabbed some on. What are we smelling first from a construction point of view? 
Okay, so your top notes are going to be really zesty green mandarin. It's slightly less sweet than the sweeter mandarin. And then you've got bergamot and neroli. So that's what you're going to get straight away. Quite bright, quite zesty, quite sunshiny. I do get that kind of, I get that lovely lift of citrus, but... I, I think I think mandarin's a really interesting ingredient because it never smells. I imagine it will. It always smells pithier somehow. Yes, and it's um, sharper. Yes, mm, yeah, yeah. And I think that the the greenery is quite interesting here because you do you have that kind of woods of citrus, but there's a sort of greenness to stop it just washing up. Mm. <laughs> you can tell I'm technical, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I exactly, and I think for me, you think of mandarin um, as Christmas Day. You know, yeah. there's always the smell of cinnamon cloves, turkey, and mandarins on yeah. Christmas Day. But the green mandarin and even the yellow mandarin tend to be exactly as you say, pithier, slightly chewier, a much greener, brighter note. Yeah, I absolutely mm. agree with you. Yeah, and it it doesn't smell of Christmas. This does it. You know, it no. doesn't at all. It it's it's undergrowthy almost, but it it's it works well in the Midsummer Night Dream analogy because there is that kind of leathery undergrowthiness with the mm-hmm. citrusy sunshine on top of it. Mm. I've had it described to me some time back by a guy uh, with a chef background. And he just sent me an image of um, chopped parsley. And Mm. he said, I'm getting chopped parsley. And then somebody else said, it's like the ferns that you get on the forest floor. Mm. That green, that green verdant sort of smell. Mm. But I think, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to get that beautiful pink pepper that I mentioned just now. And I think that sharpens it further actually but it's got a warmth a sort of fiery sparky warmth to Mm. it yeah the pepper has that it reminds me of bonfire embers those little it's those little pinpricks of brightness and i i find it really interesting how pepper does that in that it is there's something flecky about it you know like yes. it's moats it's dust moats but ones that are on fire yes um and I, I think that's really a really fascinating element it is pink pepper is a, an ingredient i can identify across my collection as being something that i really like oh absolutely so. i think for me you know when you get peppercorns in a grinder and yeah. you grind them onto whatever you're eating you get those individual little sparks whereas if you Mm. bury your nose inside the grinder you just get that generic whoosh (laughs) again of Mm. that lovely peppery uh, fragrance but since working with pink pepper as a material I now prefer pink pepper on my food to black or white pepper because it's just Mm. so fragrant and fruity and spicy Mm. and gentle it's not it's not too abrasive it's Mm. it's a beautiful pepper I absolutely love it Mm. yeah and is there is there something a little bit woody in there too that we're getting now because or is that coming from the pepper 
Yes, you've got Virginian cedarwood in there. Um, and there's some timber silk as well. So I kind right. of bought the forest in that way. Mm. Um, cedarwood is forest for me, but timber silk is, it's whiter, it's fresher. It's almost to me the fragrance of a tree, a tall, tender, a sort of tall and slender tree that's had its bark stripped. Mm. So you've just got that bare, bright, fresh wood. Um, so I put, put them together to sort of lift the, the extreme firness of the mm. cedar and lifted it with the timber silk to give a feeling of lots of different woods, if you mm. like. Yeah. yeah. It, it, and... I love timber silk and I know a lot of people get a bit sniffy about it and they're a bit like, you know, oh, you know, I can smell it's got timber silk or ISOE super in it. Mm -hmm. um, but I I love it because it is that, it has that element of being slightly different on whoever's wearing its skin. Mm -hmm. But here I think it works nicely as well because you've got that sort of slightly dreamy tree that you're alluding yeah. to. You know, it, it's yeah. not a, a particularly earthy tree or mm. a tree that you can specifically identify it's more like a representation of trees isn't it yes absolutely i i love timber silk actually um i think it's a it's a beautiful standalone uh, mm. material um there's not huge amounts in hamia i just wanted to tenderize if you like the virginian cedarwood and just mm. As you say, lift it and make it dreamier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And then what, I mean, we're sort of, it, it moves quite quickly, doesn't it? I mean, not quickly, but there is definite evolution yes. to the fragrance. Yeah, it does. I um, think the top notes are, are definitely fleeting glints of sunshine mm. and then the trees blow in the breeze and the sunshine moves and it's... Mm. It's gone. You've gone deep. You've gone, if you like, you've gone from a citrus grove into the depths of the grove where it's darker mm. and shadier. Yeah. 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 But obviously we've got base notes of um, vetiver, which gives that forest floor ambience as well. Mm. Um, and then to sort of enhance the sunshine, it's the classic sunshine notes of hedione. Mm. which, again, people, as you say, can get a bit sniffy about. But it it's a great floralizer. It's a sunshine. It just lifts. It's beautiful. Mm. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Th this is the forest on a warm, sunny day, isn't it? It's it's the forest in summer. Um, <laughs> it's not oh. a threatening forest. It's not a... It's not like a forest out of a fairy tale where the wolf's gonna, you know, appear and eat you. It's <laughs> it's that kind of. It's quite an inviting place. It feels like a place that you're quite safe in and quite engaged in exploring, rather than fearful of exploring. For example, yes, yes, yeah. I think that's the. I think that's the the cedar wood because mm. that is such a olfactive material that conjures up reminiscent Christmas trees even um you know everybody even my little 
granddaughter of four can tell you, Nana, that smells of a Christmas tree. And I yes. know I know what she means. Mm. Yeah, I know yes. what she means. I also put in some um, helionol to give that sort of lovely green, I'll say green, but not grassy note. It's, mm. it's not um, fresh cut grass. It's more like a snapped stem of the mm. fern. You know, it's that, yeah. that sort of fragrance. Yeah. yeah. Still and my favourite. <laughs> yeah. Is there something musky in there as well? Because I get something sort of sweet and musky and quite I, close smelling. I'm wondering if that's the vetiver, actually. Mm. The one that I used is from Haiti and it's particularly gorgeous because it's got a sweet, mm. a slightly sweeter foresty floor. You know, you know the smell of uh, leave, leaves that have started to compost down? Mm. Um, to me, that's that most peaty, sort of warm. That's the sort of smell that I was thinking of. You know, when mm. you pick up leaves that have started to break down and they yeah. smell warm that that is just a gorgeous smell yeah. yeah so it might might be that actually yeah there's a definite bit of I do de definitely get a, a little vein of sweetness and if we're thinking about forest floriness uh, what I would equate it to is dry loam as opposed to um wet yeah, yeah. as opposed to wet yeah there's not a lot no. of wetness in there it's it's dry and crumbly and mm -hmm. um, like, yeah, the sort of soil that you want to sniff and it doesn't leave your hands dirty. It sort of, that's you know, it. just turns to dust. Yeah. yeah, that's it. The sort of dust where fairies live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think as well the fairies are maybe brought out with the pink pepper, you know, yes. with those little sparks of um, interest that that brings, like those little motes of something dancing on the sunlight you know i think that's a little bit of a a metaphor almost for the fairies too when i was testing this way before i took it to a commercial level i took it into work and just got a couple of um key key workers that i relied on that would be honest with me and i said live with it and wear it and just feedback to me when you're ready. And one one of the girls fed back and she said to me, it's like a wood nymph. She said, my husband said to me, oh, you smell lovely. What? Oh, it's got, oh, it's back again. And she said she went on a coach trip to some stately home and somebody in the seat behind her asked her what she was wearing. And they said that all through the journey, it would just whisk past like a mm. little dance of a fairy wing and then it would be gone. So yeah. there's something quite magical about this. And I'm I'm not sure how it does it. Mm. Um, but she, she referred to it as a wood nymph, which I thought was quite interesting, actually. Yeah, that's lovely. And yes. um, I think that's it's particularly nice for when for wearing in environments where you are around other people because 
you know, everybody should be free to wear what they like. But if I've got to share an office with somebody who wears some stinky beast of a perfume that, (laughs) you know, I've got to spend all day Mm. sort of choking over, Mm. Mm. I find that a little bit intrusive. Whereas this, it... It's not, I don't find it particularly quiet or particularly short la- short lived, actually. It lasts a very long time on my skin. Yes. But it, it has a sort of subtlety to it somehow. It's it's present, but it's beating you over the head with the fact yes. that it's present. I think that's possibly the, um, the neroli as well, mm. because it, I made it with and without, and it, it was flat. Without mm. it lost, it lost quite a lot actually. Yeah, um, I know what you mean about sharing space. Um, it's a funny old thing that, isn't it? Because for me, if I share a space with somebody that's wearing something I like, I'm as happy as Larry. <laughs> but if I'm sharing a space with somebody that's wearing something I don't like, I I really really don't like it. So yeah. it's a very um subjective thing isn't it yeah yeah and yeah it's about sort of uh, taking others into consideration as well isn't it and yes um, yeah you know I I don't personally ever want to make my co-workers not that I'm in the office at the moment my you know my co-worker is my cat so she doesn't seem to mind (laughs) Um, but you know when I am in the office I don't want people to think oh god you know Nicola's in today and she smells of whatever I'm Something. testing yeah. at that point yeah um I want them to think oh I'll I'll go over and have a conversation about it maybe and try some different stuff maybe but not overpower them yeah so and yeah. and something we've 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 just sort of touched on briefly but longevity in fragrance composition is something that does come up um in fragrance discussions quite a lot now mm-hmm. when you're formulating your fragrances is the longevity something you take into consideration when you build the finished scent? Yes, yes, absolutely. I think it was also the way I was taught to make perfume that when I start any creation, I was taught to start with the base notes first and work back up that way. Having said that, I've had clients that are just after top or base notes fragrances so I do go to lengths to explain to them that it might not feel um, complete you might lose it quite quickly or Mm. it may may take a while to to come to you but for me when creating for my brand yes longevity is essential I think you can spend a lot of money on fragrance and I want people to enjoy it for as long as possible so I'm quite particular about where I source my materials from um, because I actually want to get those that do what they say on the tin yeah and if you were advising somebody on how to go about finding a long-lasting fragrance what elements would you um, suggest (laughs) that they looked for um I think for me Don't always go by the price tag. So don't think the more you spend, the longer it lasts. But what I would say to somebody with any fragrance, to be fair, is see how it sits on their skin and to live with it for more than two minutes. Um, 
I I have found and I do see people are very quick to judge her fragrance in its opening notes. So I'm definitely going to say give it at least an hour or two or better still try it on a different day, you know. Mm. Um, How does it smell on your skin when you're warm or when you're cold? I think this is really quite important too for, uh, say, somebody like a bride who's looking for that that wedding day fragrance. Mm. She's likely to feel a bit hot and bothered. She might be calm and serene. She might be like a swan, you know, with a <laughs> gliding down the aisle, but her little feet are going, you know, <laughs> hell for leather. Um, but again, we know body temperature affects um, the way a fragrance will project. Um, what would you say? Can they still smell it after the top notes have evaporated? Can they still smell it on their clothes the next day? And as we were just saying just now, um, can others smell it? Is this what they desire? You know, mm. is it just for you or is it for you to tell the world I'm I'm wearing this? Mm. Yeah, I think that's probably the advice I'd give Nicola. Yeah. And can we talk a little bit about stability testing? Because oh, um, yeah. a lot oh. of... In- a lot of brands and indie brands say that they stability test. Could you talk us through what that means and why it's important to the final product? Yes, I think um, perfumes obviously are exposed to many different elements. When you think about the transporting of the customer, they might be flown in the hold of an aircraft or stuck in the back of a hot postman's van. Um, and, all, and all temperatures between that. And then you've got to think about where they're stored before they reach the customer and where the customer might store them when they receive them. Um, so you've really got to understand how that fragrance will behave and how it's perceived when it's, it finally arrives with its intended recipient. So all my fragrances are tested for extreme cold So in their test phase, they're popped into the fridge Uh, for a day or so. They're popped into the freezer as well, just to see what happens. Um, I look at the flashpoint. So what temperature does it ignite? And I also leave them close to an inert heat source, like uh, a radiator, and just see whether its colour changes, whether it stays bright and clear, that it doesn't become cloudy or... Um, solidify and produce particles and then of course I put it on my skin and see how it fares on my skin but also I look at how it sits on a blotter and how does it last how long does it last for are, are there any stages of its evaporation that are that aren't pleasant and actually, just talking about that, looking at the blotter I've still got in my hand, Hermia on a Testra hip was still, um, I could still smell it after four weeks. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, which I was very proud of. It was very faint, uh, but yeah, it was definitely still there. So mm. yes, we do lots of things to check it's stable and won't... Um, blow up in the bottle or turn into pea soup. No, that's really fascinating and uh, and not something we've covered before, actually, I don't think. So ah. thank you for that. So you've got, you know, you've come up with your formula. 
and you're happy with it, you've done your stability testing. How does the fragrance go from being that formula on a piece of paper through to a final product in your online store? You know, do you do all the different stages of it, of it yourself? Do you mix the components and bottle it? You know, how how does that all work? Cool. Yes or no is the answer to that one, really. <laughs> it's an incredibly lengthy process from formulation sheet to bottle to market. And I'm not sure those outside of the industry have any perception of what goes on behind the scenes to get that fragrance to where it needs to be. Um, You think about the perfumer's time in creating a fragrance just to, to start with, you know, can be a day, a week, months, you know. Sometimes you put a fragrance away and come back to it a year later and and you sort of revisit it. I think also you've got to think about the sourcing of your bottles and is there any printing of the bottles and the pump, you know, does that atomise the fragrance in the way you want it to? It doesn't sort of jet wash you, you know, it actually sprays with a mist and and delivers the molecules in, in the way you intended. What do you put it in? What does the cart look like? The designs, the labels, the marketing. Um, there are so many aspects to this, Nicola. It's, mm. it's a bit of a minefield. Um, thinking about safety, we were talking about, you know, um, stability just now, but we've got IFRA, you know, jolly old IFRA standards. So for anyone listening, that's the International Fragrance Association. I actually outsource this part of my fragrance creation. Um, I use the parameters of IFRA whilst creating so that I don't end up with uh, too many nasty surprises. I must say I've um, taken things to the edge before now. But um, it's good to know I'm working within within these safety parameters. We need to understand about the allergens, making sure that we we list them on on, on the the fragrance carton. You know, we have to do to do this by law. It's crucial. Have we got a safety data sheet? And as a responsible person. I'm the one responsible for all that safety information and keeping it in a product information file. So most of that side of it, I I outsource whilst working within the parameters whilst I'm creating. Mm. Um, In terms of the nitty gritty, I do create all my own fragrances and mostly I manufacture the compound and bulk it up with the ethanol for small to medium-sized batches and individual bottles. But for larger orders, I will outsource that um, and get that done uh, somewhere else. So some and some is the answer Mm. to that question, really. Yeah. 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 And what's your favourite part of that whole process? (laughs) Creating. (laughs) (laughs) I would do nothing else. (laughs) If left to my own devices, I forget to eat. Um, I have to have a bottle of water because I forget to drink. I absolutely get lost 
mm. in it completely and strive to get what I'm what I'm seeing in my head you know um sometimes it happens because you've thought it through you've been planning it in your mind or you've jotted it down other times you just sit down with a brief say for a, a bespoke fragrance and somebody's talked to you in everyday layman's language and you've got to translate that into perfume language so you've got to think when they describe what it is they would like how does that translate to what I've got on my shelf or what do I need to buy and they want I don't know let's think of something a smoky caramel tobacco and you think crikey you know okay let's go you suddenly realize that the linkage between those if even those are going to work is where the hard work starts um and i say i just could create forever amen (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely i'd love to smell your interpretation of a smoky caramel tobacco because that sounds glorious (laughs) (laughs) well actually it's it's I actually have something not unsimilar to that. So should we be lucky enough to hook up one of these fine days as we get unlocked, I'll bring it to you and be really interested to see what you think. It's a date, definitely. (laughs) Great, you're on, you're on. (laughs) So that's the end of my sort of sensible questions. And now I've Uh got some quick fire ones for you. I'm fine. Just whatever comes into your head first, and there's no okay. right or wrong answers. What's your favourite smell? I think I've got to say orange orange blossom, but perhaps not necessarily neroli, you know, from the Seville orange blossom tree, but also the, um, what's it called, the Philadelphus, the mock orange, our indigenous um, non-fruiting orange blossom. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. My favourite. Yeah. Uh, not to hijack your uh, questions, but I uh, once took the most amazing trip of a lifetime to Norway and I stayed in a little wooden shed uh, on the edge of a town and mm. used to watch the supermarket to get my tea. And there was the most glorious mock orange bush the the most glorious one I've ever seen or smelt and uh-huh. on the way back I would just bury my nose in it and sneeze yeah. because it makes yeah, me sneeze because if you hate oh. people bless you yes but yeah just incredible like that, that to me is the smell of happiness I think that is yeah. just beautiful anyway yeah. I, dig- I digress back to your questions what smells do you dislike um I gosh I don't I don't think I dislike much other than the blatantly obvious ones. Um, I don't think I'm terribly partial to the smell of fish cooking mm. and that lingering smell in that house for days afterwards. Um, no, but I like to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair enough. If you could go anywhere and smell anything from any point in history, where would you go and what would you smell? Now, Nicola, this will make you chuckle, but 
the other day I heard your podcast with the lovely Stefan Matthews. Yeah. And I was listening away. I was doing my ironing, actually. And you asked him this question. And I said out loud, I spoke back to you both, <laughs> almost pretty much what Stefan said. <laughs> So I'm going to stick with it because that's what I said when I first heard the question. So, yes, for me, it's um, I'd like to go back to the ancient Egyptians mm. because I honestly reckon the oils they used on themselves, you know, some of the forefathers of, of, of perfume as we know it, and also um, I guess what they used in embalming and, and in the tombs, you know, they must have been stunning, Nicola. Just mm. exquisite frankincense and tinctures of herbs and spices. Oh, glorious. Yeah. You, you know what? Um, you follow Stefan as I do, and I do happen to know he's a bit of a Doctor Who fan. So I, I thought to myself at the time, maybe he and I – and I'm sure you'd love to come with us, could step in the TARDIS and go back to ancient Egypt. What do you reckon? I, I'd be well up for that, yeah, definitely. Right, <laughs> I'll have a word. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and maybe this next question's related, because um, I imagine I would be a little bit scared if I got into the TARDIS, but what do you think fear smells like? <laughs> oh, right. Um, for me, I think it's perspiration. But that that slightly um, vinegary, acetic, almost meaty smell. But obviously, perspiration doesn't have a fragrance as such until it meets the the outside air and the, the natural bacteria on your skin. So maybe we've been too long in the TARDIS and we're getting a bit <laughs> hot and bothered. <laughs> Uh, moving on, what smell transports you to a strong olfactive memory and where does it take you? Well, this won't surprise you. It's got to be the actual mock orange. The reason being, you talked about Philadelphia's being the happy fragrance. It's got incredibly mixed emotions for me. To start with, my grandma had one, my nana had one in her garden that was next to the um, sun lounge. And I, like you, would sit in it if I could have done and just breathe. You know, it's just heaven on earth. We've also got a massive one here in the perfumery garden that is taller than the building. And in the summer, when the blossoms just start to drop because it's quite short-lived actually it rains like summer like summer confetti it's just exquisite but on the flip side of those olfactive memories of my my nana uh, very very tragically in the early 80s just as I'd actually started my nurse training my brother died in a road traffic accident and I remember driving from Northampton where I was training down to Kent to, to be with my family. And I went to visit my brother in the Chapel of Rest and the funeral directors had filled every vase and every corner with branches of Philadelphus. So 
all sorts of emotions um, mm. come into play here, Nicola, but hugely comforting because yeah. when that tree in my um, in the perfumery garden blossoms, it's around about the time that we lost Keith. Mm. So it's for always, forever in my heart. It's a very, very, very special fragrance. Yeah. Very yeah. special. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And and I shall I shall think of it and then think of you when I smell it now as well. Oh, thank so. you. Thank you. What fragrance are you wearing right now? Oh, actually, um oh yeah, I'm wearing um gosh, what's it called? Whispers in the library from the replica collection by yeah. Maison Margella. Mm. Um yeah, I was actually Yes, I am. I was gifted a, um, a discovery box of the full collection for my birthday earlier in the year. So I'm actually working my way through. But you know what? I don't get library, not really at all. What I do get is the same said Nana that I was talking about earlier. She used to keep, um, she used to have on her dressing table those beautiful old-fashioned talcum powder pots, you know, with the, the puffing, mm. and she'd sort of dab it all over herself. And smelling it now, do you know what I'm getting? I'm getting um, apple blossom. All right. It smells like Nana's dressing table. <laughs> but, yeah, that's what I'm wearing. I'm working my way through the collection. It's lovely. Oh, yeah, lovely. enjoy. Yeah, enjoy. I am. Uh, what does summer smell of to you? Uh -huh. Well, obviously it smells of mock orange, but, yeah. oh, crikey, what does summer smell of? It smells um, warm. Huh. What does warm smell of? I don't know. You know that smell when you step off the aeroplane in the med or somewhere? Um, or is that just jet fuel? <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> I think, let's be honest, it does smell of um, roses and mock orange to me, but I think it also smells of cut grass and petrichor that after the summer rain ozonic soil and mm. that almost when the summer's been really hot it's it's sort of it smells dusty doesn't it, it smells of dust yeah, yeah. yeah. i'm yeah. not sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> lots of things yeah what's your favorite food smell well that's easy that's freshly ground coffee beans mm. yeah, and that's dog. nice yeah, yeah. Adorable. What smell reminds you of school? Oh, gosh, I think disinfectant, floor polish and sawdust. I'm not that old that I went to school where they sprinkled sawdust on the floor. <laughs> but do you, do you know what? I sort of remember, you know, if somebody's perhaps accidentally not very well at school, in assembly or something, uh, the teachers would rush in with a bucket of sawdust and the next fragrance that met your nose would be the smell of Jay's fluid. Yeah, yeah. And then they'd come out with the old buffer and start buffering the parquet flooring <laughs> with the polish. So I reckon that's what school smells like to me. Yeah, yeah. And I... I because like that sawdust, that sawdust and sick smell. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> is, um, that's a real school memory for me. But it occurred to me. I don't know if they still do that. 
So if we've got any teachers listening, please tell us how to clean up sick at school nowadays. <laughs> of course, nowadays you can't touch body fluids and you virtually have to get into a decontamination suit. So, yes, any teachers, do let us know. I'd love to know. <laughs> Good call, Nicola. Lovely. Uh, scientists, if scientists were to just invent a smellophone, who would mm. you bring first? Oh, oh gosh. I think, I think I'd ring my dad. Because do you know what? Without dad and his influence and introducing me to really beautiful fragrances from, uh, you know, I've got an overriding memory of uh, Lamont. When I smell label now by Coty, I'm safe. Mm. And mum, actually, bless her, she's um, she's got uh, early sort of Alzheimer's, but her past memories are safe as houses. She told me only the other day that dad bought her a bottle of this when I was born. Mm. And she wore it all through um, my childhood, I suppose. But it was dad that bought it for her and dad that bought me my first big girl's fragrance he bought me Mr. Rochard um and he used to buy me Lonthric and Coty and Rochard and all sorts of lovely so I think if I had access to the smell of phone I'd call Pops and yeah. have a chat with him definitely yeah, yeah. And finally, if people want to know more about you and your work, where should we send them? Oh, OK. So shameless plug time. Um, my web shop, which is the only place where I sell my fragrances at the moment, is www.karentimson.co.uk. However, I am working on getting my fragrances out there. And I think as we ease out of lockdown, that's something I can get working on. But you will also find me on all the usual social media platforms, Insta, Facebook and Twitter. And you just need to search for Karen Timpson Fine Fragrance. That's me. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us today, Karen. I've really enjoyed our chat. It's been wonderful to hear and take this deep dive into Hermia. So thank you ever so much. Thank you for having me. And I'll see you soon for that trip in the TARDIS. <laughs> Looking forward to it. The Sniff Perfume Podcast is written and produced by me, Nicola Thomas, with music by Phil Collingwood. You can find all our reviews online at the-sniff.com. We're also on Instagram at the Sniff website or Twitter with the same handle. If you'd like to support our work, please find me on Buy Me A Coffee. The web address is buymeacoffee.com forward slash the Sniff. Our guest today was Karen Timpson. We weren't paid in cash or in kind to feature Karen's brand or her work. Thanks very much for listening.